really struggled throughout college with my own health issues. Okay. Um, I was struggling with my hormones and doctors just repeatedly wanted me to go on birth control. Right. That was kind of their only answer for me and it made me crazy. I just kind of took it into my own hands to figure out what the heck was going on with my body. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Make a Dent podcast. My name is Sierra McCleave. I'm your host. And in this episode of the Make a Dent podcast, I am thrilled to have Rachel Hermans on board. Rachel is a seasoned functional medicine and holistic health coach. She joins us to delve into the intricate world of women's health and wellness. If you're a woman, if you have any women in your life, you're going to want to listen to this episode. She has a background in psychology and health coaching certificate from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Her expertise shines as she discusses her unique approach to helping clients struggling with thyroid conditions, gastrointestinal problems, hormone concerns, and autoimmune conditions. We dive into it all. And I really was so thrilled to have the opportunity to have this conversation with Rachel. Hormones and blood work and dialing in my health and wellness on all different levels has been my focus over the last 12 months. This was a fascinating conversation and I think a lot of people will find this super valuable. I'm telling you, we get into lab testing, like I mentioned, treatment plans, supplement protocols, very, very good stuff. In this enlightening conversation, we explore the realms of functional holistic medicine, the significance of lab testing, the roles of vitamins and well-being, and the delicate balance of gut health. Rachel shares her incredible story of her own health and wellness journey, which started at a very young age. She shares her experiences working with functional medicine, naturopathic doctors, bringing forth a wealth of knowledge to anyone seeking a deeper understanding of their health. So whether you're navigating the complexities of women's health, seeking insights into holistic approaches, or simply intrigued by the world of functional medicine, this episode promises valuable takeaways. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the incredible Rachel Hermans. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Make a Dent podcast. I'm super, super excited for our show today and our guest, Rachel Hermans. Said it right? Yep, you did. I did? Okay. Yep. <laughs> Rachel Hermans. She goes by at Rachel Claire with an E dot HHC on the socials. And um, I'm really excited to dive in today. Rachel is very interested and does every day what I have been diving into myself over the last six months, year, maybe a couple years. But uh, I'll just go in with your bio here. Rachel is a functional medicine and holistic health coach that works with a network of clinicians to provide her clients with lab testing, treatment plans, supplement protocols, and health coaching. She works with a wide variety of people who struggle with thyroid conditions, gastrointestinal problems, hormone concerns, or autoimmune conditions. Rachel has a degree in psychology and studied at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to receive her health coaching certificate. She's currently studying to take the board exam through the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching at the end of this year. She has experience in women's health and weight loss coaching and has worked with a variety of functional medicine and naturopathic doctors. She's originally from Georgia, but moved to Utah two years ago to pursue her passion for outdoor adventures in the mountains. Rachel, welcome to the Make It In podcast. Hi, it's <laughs> so great to be here. I'm very, very excited to have you here. So our introduction is a little unusual for my pod uh, we met on f a Facebook group. You're looking for some podcasts to go on in the local area. And normally I would probably not say yes. Um, just randomly, 
to someone I didn't know. That's however, fair. however, looking at your bio and everything that you're into is everything that I have been doing. Yeah. At least like really into for the last year that I believe wholeheartedly in, and I'm really excited to dive in with you. And so give us just a little tiny bit of your origin story. Like how did you get into holistic health, functional medicine, that kind of thing? Yeah, I really struggled throughout college with my own health issues. Okay. Um, I was struggling with my hormones and doctors just repeatedly wanted me to go on birth control. Right. That was kind of their only answer for me. And it made me crazy <laughs> Yes. and just feel like not myself. Yeah. And so I just kind of took it into my own hands to figure out what the heck was going on with my body yeah. and what I could do about it. So I just kind of dove into research and I honestly went through the health coaching program that I did mostly for selfish reasons. I wanted to figure out a more holistic way to take care of myself and really get back to myself because when your hormones are off, I mean, I know some of you have probably experienced this. Um, Awful. Yeah, you don't feel like yourself. Awful. And it was affecting a lot of parts of my life, not just my physical body, uh, my mental state as well. And so I kind of figured out how to heal myself. Um, There was a lot of things that I didn't know. um, And I was frustrated that I didn't know them. So then I really kind of took that and wanted to just scream from the rooftops about all of these um, things that I learned along the way and how easy it could actually be to maintain your health uh, as long as you have the information that you need. Oh, my goodness. Um, so much to dive into here. How did you did you go to so many doctors that you were finally like, I, th- this is wild and no one can give me an answer or, or was there someone like guiding you, mentoring you that said, Hey, let's try some holistic stuff or, or let's see what we can do ourselves. Like, how did that happen? That's very intriguing to me because I think a lot of people just keep going down the traditional Western right medicine path and just keep taking whatever pills they say, keep doing this and that, and they don't shift so I'm interested in that with you. Yeah, I yeah, I did. I went to several different doctors. And I think my breaking point really was that I had been to, I think, three or four different gynecologists. And by the fourth one, I was like giving myself a pep talk before appointment. Like, okay, tell them your symptoms. If they tell you to get on birth control, ask for a different solution. Like I was literally trying to hype myself up to like stand up for myself. And even when I did, they didn't have answers for me. And I think a moment that really sticks out to me in my journey was I ended up in the ER at one point because I was just like, I, I feel like I'm dying and somebody has to know something or do something. And what did they do? (laughs) They made me take a pregnancy test and they gave me like a shot of like steroids or ibuprofen or something. Oh my gosh. To help with the pain that I was experiencing. Uh, And they're like, yep, that's it. Everything else looks normal. So that's, that's what you get. And I was like, No. And so I would go home and just do a lot of research and on, you know, 
the most qualified like sources. And I was just constantly searching for a diagnosis and not finding it. Um, and I feel like I just kind of swung in the other direction from Western medicine to just like, okay, I'm going all natural, swearing off doctors completely. Um, I was really just kind of angry at the whole system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a good reason. And then through health coaching, I realized that there was a lot, there were several avenues of more holistic, natural methods. And I, in my program, I, we kind of like learned a little bit about functional medicine. But then um, once I was out of school and everything, I actually worked for a while in a naturopathic clinic uh, and kind of saw that side of medicine where it wasn't just traditional Western medicine, but they utilized a lot of tools such as lab testing and even prescriptions in certain situations. Um, and so I learned a lot about blending the two, kind of finding the balance between Western medicine and just holistic practices. I love that so much. My, my doctor right now that I've been using that has helped me so much in the last year has that very similar approach. So he spent a lot of time in traditional Western medicine and just like hated it. So he has that background and I love him so much. He's like significantly improved my quality of life in the last year. And I'm so glad that you found that path. So a couple of things, how do you, how do you define, um, functional medicine and like, what is that to you? How I like to explain it is that it is alternative healthcare, uh, where we're looking at the body as a fully connected system because it is <laughs> all of our organs are communicating with each other. All of our cells communicate with each other. Um, so really looking at the whole body to get to the root cause of disease, illness, symptoms, and treating the root cause instead of masking it with medications essentially. Because if you think about traditional medicine, we have a lot of specialists and they are fantastic. You know, they are great at their jobs. They know an incredible amount about specific body systems, but oftentimes they're not communicating with each other, the specialists themselves. Uh, and so one person is not getting as much support as they should be getting and could be getting um, because there's not a lot of communication. So infuriating. I'm so glad you took charge of that. That's one thing I'm trying to teach my kids. I have sisters that are much younger than me that I'm trying to be like most healthcare professionals. A lot of them are great. A lot of them are really great. Um, I think nurses, like if you're a nurse, like you, you have a special heart, you, you are a special person that can be like a nurse or an EMT and a doctor. However, no one will care more about your health than you. And I think growing up, at least for me, it was kind of like that full trust was put in until it wasn't and, and yeah. when it was broken. It was, it was not good for me. We could get into that, but so functional medicine, looking at the entire body, I want to take one step back real quick. Then I want to, then I want to come back to where we are. But you mentioned there were a few things that you learned that you had no idea about that you like were actually mad about. Do you mind sharing one or two of those? Yeah, I think the biggest and most broad one was how much hormonal birth control 
affects your whole body um, and how damaging it can be. And I, I, I say that um, not to say that nobody should be on hormonal birth control. You know, everyone True. needs to make the right choice for them. Get educated. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm a huge uh, proponent for informed consent. Right. Uh, because when I went to the doctor for heavy periods, terrible cramping, um, they just, you know, kind of told me maybe some of the side effects and was like, here, take this. But I had no idea what it was doing to my body. I had no idea. And had I had that knowledge, I might've made a different decision. Um, and hormones are kind of something that takes a while to heal and to get back into balance if, if they get thrown off by medications or birth control. And so that was, I think the biggest thing is that I had no idea what I was doing to my body by taking that. And I didn't, it took, or I guess it took me a while to recognize that that was the issue because everybody's on birth control or right. so right. I thought. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, right. You know, everyone's just like, yeah, you're on birth control. Like, you know, you got an IUD or somebody takes a pill or whatever. Sure. Um, and so I didn't really put two and two together for quite a while. And I feel like I struggled for a long time, um, before I figured it out. And I only really figured it out by researching my symptoms and kind of connecting all the dots because my doctors weren't doing that. <laughs> so really quick and any of this you don't want to share, totally fine. We can edit that out. But once you started learning more and I, I'm assuming got off birth control or, yeah. or something, you, hormonal, uh, I don't know, influencers. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess, I guess that are made in a lab. I don't know. Right. How did you then try to work to balance them or do that naturally or fix kind of what had been shifted? I actually, um, kind of decided that I wanted to come off several months before I did. Um, because I was one concerned about my, cycle my period being as bad as it was before the original reason I got on it. Um, and I, I knew I couldn't live with that. Um, and then obviously like for birth control, <laughs> uh, preventing pregnancy, right. I was scared. Yes. Um, and so I just did a lot of research, really tried to support my body in a lot of different ways before I came off. Um, and then once I came off, that's when like the real work I think began to figure out, how to get things back into balance, what might've been out of balance. Um, I feel pretty lucky that I was able to go through that at a young age. I think, let's see, I've been off birth control for three and a half, maybe f almost four years now. Um, and so I was young. And so I think my body was able to bounce back a lot quicker and I wasn't on birth control for a very long thank time goodness. either. Thank goodness. Yeah. Cause a lot of the clients that I work with now, you know, they're like, I've been on it for 15 years. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, that's scary. It is. <laughs> but I think the good news too, and, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit if anyone's listening and freaking out cause they've been on for 15 <laughs> and 20 years. Yeah. I am continually amazed. I have, especially the last like four or five years for me, but I'm continually amazed at how amazing the body is and how much you can heal and how you can reverse a lot of things that you've done oh, to your yeah. body. Like, thank goodness. Uh, and I try to remember that in gratitude, even when I'm frustrated that maybe 
it's not performing how I want it to be. I'm like, Hey, I can walk and I can do this. And I like my legs work anything any, anyway, but thank goodness. So you, you got into it to kind of heal yourself. I love that so much. That's so powerful. I'm also very grateful you figured that out at a young age because there are many things. I mean, there's many things I'm glad I learned now. There's many things, many, many things I wish I would have learned <laughs> 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. But how long did it take you to start feeling better? Like um, to heal? Is it a continual thing? Did like, was there a moment where you're like, I'm finally feeling a little bit better? Yeah, I think there was definitely a point where my cycles were consistent and I felt a lot better. I think the biggest difference that I noticed was mentally I was feeling a lot better. Birth control made me very, very anxious, like social anxiety, just like ridden with anxiety that I had never experienced before in my life. Like it took me a while to even realize that that's what that feeling was. Okay. And so there was definitely a point where I, I felt better in that regard. I would say it was probably four to six months after I got off birth control um, that I felt like, okay, my hormones are, you know, in a better place now. Um, however, then came a lot of gut issues and I can't necessarily blame the birth control for that because I cannot confirm or deny that that was the cause. However, I think it contributes and the more research I do, um, it makes sense. Uh, and so gut issues take quite a while to heal too. Um, especially if you're doing it without guidance. And I was because I swore off doctors and I was like, you know, I'm not going to go to them for help. And so I was just trying to figure it out myself and, trying all these different, uh, diets or supplements or things like that without real direction. Um, so I think that prolonged the experience for a lot longer than it should have been. Um, but I think that that took a while. I feel like I went through a lot of trial and error for maybe like two years, two and a half years, um, before I kind of really figured out, okay, you know, this is what's going on in my gut and this is how I can fix it. And these are the steps that I need to take. Um, and even now with the clients that I currently work with, I always try to tell them that this is going to take a while. It's not, it's not a quick fix, but it is long-term. So even if it's going to take a while, think about the 20, 30 years of feeling good that you're going to oh have. Oh hundred percent. So kind of maybe an odd question, but with all of the learning and education and experience you now have, what would you say to you? I can't remember how many years ago it was four years ago, whatever, right after stopping birth control, what advice would you give? What protocol would you put yourself on at that point to make that turnaround quicker? I guess the first thing, and I guess one of my biggest regrets is that I, that I didn't do lab testing. Um, that is like a hack. That is like how you Huge. can figure it out a lot faster. You got to so, have data. Mm-hmm. That is one thing that makes me mad is I'm, I wasn't taught to get labs and ask for labs. And now I will go in and be like, no, I want this, this, and this. And I'll Google before. This is truth. I will Google before what I need to say to my doctor to get them to say yes. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, here's my symptoms just so I can get that thing. Yep. I don't have to now because my doctor is really dope and like all for the labs. Okay. So you would do labs. Yeah. I would definitely do lab testing to see where you're at. Um, not just hormones too. I think with women, especially our hormones are kind of all over the place, depending on what part of your cycle you're in. Uh, so there's a lot of other biomarkers. So generalized testing can be really useful too. Um, because sometimes 
what's contributing to hormone issues is like blood sugar issues or thyroid problems or gut issues Get or a full cholesterol. Panel. Full right? panel, baby. Full panel um, to really look at things all together. Um, so yeah, lab testing, I would say really making sure your nutrition is where it needs to be. And that's going to look different for everyone. So I've been doing lab testing now for, oh, let's see. I mean, I've got, I have some from a few years ago cause I, I wanted to go get my hormones looked at. I love what you said too. And for the women listening, you do really have to understand that like if you do go get blood it's it's your hormones on that day and we have a, a 30 day or so cycle right, right. so if you really want to get an in-depth look and I, maybe i'll ask you about this separately um i i saw someone once who did a 30 day hormone test and i'm real i want to do that again um i don't think i did it at the time but to get a full scope do the do those exist a 30 day or like a longer term so yeah. you can really see the ups and downs depending on where you are are in your cycle? Yeah. Yeah. I know there's so many different types of testing out there. I do think that saliva testing, um, is going to be more accurate than blood testing. Cause like you said, you know, it really just depends on a lot of different things, but I know that there's a lot of really good, like five to seven day tests out there too. And you want to time it right in your cycle. And this is something that's crazy to me now knowing what I know, but there's a lot of people that aren't tracking their cycle at all. And they don't know where they are in their cycle for the most part, you know, they just know, okay, I had a period last week. So in about, you know, four weeks, I'll have a period and that's fine. You, You know, everyone has different needs, but to me, I love knowing exactly where I am in my cycle. So now I practice fertility awareness method. Are you familiar with that at all? No. So it's essentially ovulation tracking. Okay. And it's not just a predictive measure based on like an app, like your period app where it's like, oh, you're probably going to have a period, you know, on this day. Yeah. It's a lot more scientific. Uh, You're using basal body temperature. Um, You're waking basal body temperature and uh, cervical fluid. And there's different methods that you can use. Okay. But it's basically confirming when and if you ovulate. So you know for sure when your fertile window window is. Okay. Um, and based on that, you can know what part of your cycle. Are you, you know, your period, your menstrual phase? Are you in your follicular phase leading up to ovulation, ovulation, luteal phase, and then back to your menstrual cycle um, or to your period, basically. So really getting to understand your cycle can help you with accurate testing. Um, so knowing when to do it, you know, sometimes they'll say like, uh, they need the test to be done after ovulation. Well, if you don't, if you're not tracking that, you won't know. Right. I just, I'm, I, I, people just start looking at the data, at least collect it and then find someone like Rachel that can help you interpret it and learn about it. Because man, that's when I've started to feel the most empowered is when I, a, know how to ask for it if not, someone's not going to give it to me. Or just go to a place that does it, like, what are they called, LabCorp or, or something like yeah, that, LabCorp or something. And just, and then kind of know what to ask for. Yeah. Um, but that's just going to help so much. I will just one quick step back. So I did, I actually did that test, but I never sent it in. It's <laughs> ADHD, but the 30 day and I spit into a thing. It had me start at a certain point in my cycle. And then I spit into this little vial and froze them for 30 days. And then I was supposed to send it, supposed to send it. I'm going to do it again. 
I will, if you guys want to hear uh, those results on another podcast, I'll do it again because I've really been wanting to see that full scope because I have been doing regular blood testing. So I get that brief picture uh, for the hormone piece on that day, but then I don't have any of the other data. So lab testing is so huge. We get into that. I want to go over to, to gut health a little bit. So I want to spend some time on gut health. This is something I've really wanted to get data on recently. So maybe you can give me some advice here. I want like the data. I want to do whatever the test is and, and do that. And I know that there's a lot of companies that do that now, right? Like essentially, don't you send in your fecal matter yeah. and they test it and then they tell you like all of your stuff about your microbiome? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy? Yeah. Okay. So that's, I want to do that, but let's, let's spend a little bit of time on gut health. And I mean, there is continual things, at least I'm seeing, at least very briefly, there's one podcast I heard um, that I absolutely loved. There's several that I've, I've seen kind of pop up regarding gut health and how it's directly related to mental health. Oh yeah. So speak to that just a little and your thoughts on that or what you've learned and observed uh, since you've been really diving into this. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you bring that up because my journey, I feel like started with hormones. And so I got really educated, dove into that. And then I realized that there's a lot going on in your gut that affects your hormones. So were the hormones the root cause? Maybe not. Is it chicken or the egg, which came first? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the gut is such a complex place and it does, it, it produces its own neurotransmitters. Um, it synthesizes and converts different hormones. Um, there's a lot, there's a huge connection between thyroid and the gut as well. And really if there's dysbiosis imbalances going on in the gut, your body overall is not going to be very happy because that's going to cause inflammation. Um, people may have heard of like leaky gut. That's, that's a huge issue. And with the gut brain connection, I think it's really important to kind of step back and look at, okay, what you're eating is affecting your gut. And if what your gut is doing is affecting your brain, you know, directly treating mental illness is kind of masking things uh, for some people. I want to preface that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mental illness is real. It's not just all gut issues. There are imbalances and everything. But I think a lot of people are suffering now because of their nutrition and then the way that their gut is working because of that nutrition. And so it's really cool and trendy now to take care of your mental health. Um, but I think we're still neglecting the fact that our brain sits in our body and how we're treating our body is going to affect how our brain works. Yes, so much. And, and it's cool too. I mean, it's cool that it is trendy for the mental health stuff because I do in, in, in one regard, right? I get what you're saying. It's cool because more people are talking about therapy. They're going to therapy. Like they're, they're really trying to figure it out, which thank goodness. And I do think, I really do think the next level of that is gut health and nutrition and good. Listen, we could do a whole podcast and I could rant on like, would I have some beliefs on about America's mm -hmm. food system? We do not have the time <laughs> and I don't have the caffeine. Right. The, you'd see a different side of me. But if someone's coming in with issues, I mean, I, we could pick one specifically. 
it sounds to me like probably start with the numbers, the data. And this is, I mean, I'm generalizing significantly, right? It's going to be person by person, right? right? So are the numbers, is that kind of your approach? You start with the numbers first and then go for, um, like just the immediate fixes there and then like gut health or are you, are you kind of starting with, do you start with gut health? I guess is a better question. Is that one of the first things you look at or what? Um, it kind of depends. I definitely prefer to start with comprehensive lab testing because we need to look at how things are working with each other or maybe you know, not working with each other. Um, and so for a lot of my clients, we start with a really comprehensive panel to see what direction we need to go in. Um, because with those biomarkers, we can, you know, do some adjusting and kind of fix some of the easier fixes before maybe diving into more extensive testing or more extensive treatment plans. So I like to start with the numbers first. Yeah. And then food first nutrition. Because I think that's something that moves the needle the fastest in terms of numbers and lab testing and then also feeling. So if someone's interested in really working on their gut health and uh, we've already talked about getting a coach, get a coach, big believer in coaches, what are some of the first steps that they can take on their own and then maybe what they could take or, or expect from you if they're coming to work with someone like you? Yeah. Um, in terms of what you can do on your own, there's definitely things that you could do starting tomorrow, but it wouldn't be a very specific approach. Um, and I was just talking to somebody about this the other week with gut, the gut, it is really hard to determine what the root issue is just based on symptoms. And that's why we do the stool testing. Yeah. So for example, we would do like a GI map is something that, uh, we run often. So the providers that I work with, I work with the, uh, MD and a nurse practitioner. And so they're the ones that do, does the ordering for these, these labs and, uh, interprets the results. And so, that's going to give us basically the, the root problem, uh, because with the gut, there can be so many different issues for some people. It might just be underlying food sensitivities that they don't know about an autoimmune condition. They don't know about a parasite, bacterial overgrowth, candida, you know, the list goes on and on. And the treatments for those are going to be different. Okay. So I know hot topic is probiotics. You know, everybody's talking about probiotics. Everybody's taking probiotics now, um, which is great because they can be really, really impactful for, for gut health. However, um, there are a few conditions out there where it can actually be harmful, maybe not harmful, but it can exacerbate symptoms. Gotcha. Um, same thing with diet. You know, a lot of the times if people are having gut issue, they just go on like a really clean, strict diet, you know, maybe just some protein and vegetables type situation. And even the vegetables, high fiber foods can be hard to digest if you've got issues going on, but things that you can do get enough sleep. That's huge. That's when we digest a lot of our food, work on your nervous system. Same reason. A lot of the times nowadays we are on the go on all the time. Uh, we're eating when we're stressed and that hinders our digestion. So taking a few deep breaths before you eat. Is really? Just, yeah, it's simple. It's really simple, but it really makes a difference. And then people laugh at me when I say this. Well, my clients laugh at me. Hit me. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I tell them, chew your food. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That is something that we're missing a lot. Of. So in a hurry. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're so in a hurry. We just kind of yeah. eat in like five, 10 minutes. And that is not enough time for our bodies to prepare for food, to prepare, to digest. When we're chewing, we're actually secreting enzymes that are going to break down our food before it even hits our stomach. Oh my gosh, I love this. And if we don't have some of those processes, it's putting a lot of stress in our lower digestive tract. That makes so much sense. So hit me with a number. How, if you're talking to your clients and I'm, I'm your client, I'm like, I do my, I chew my food, Rachel. Yeah. Are you giving them like a song to sing in their head? Are you giving them <laughs> a count? Like, or just telling them to chew extra? I mean, I'll usually say chew extra, but it's kind of like consistency in your mouth. Like yeah. it needs to be broken down, broken down. Like, and like, you know what I mean? Like, like you got to really chew it. Yeah. Like cottage cheese or less, yeah. less yeah. than cottage cheese. Yeah. See, I like that. Less don't, than see, listen, cheese. you guys, we're making it so easy for you. Think about that. We're trying to give you the exact bites, the exact amount to chew. Oh, I love this so much. I think it's so helpful. I'm excited to um, dive into a few more things. Yeah. I want to get into, I think that's so huge. Like I, that's, I think so many people are missing that element is that gut health piece. And there's so much data coming out on the effects of, that on your mental health, like we talked about. I wanted to ask you about this. I, I, I don't know, we didn't talk about this before, but one of the most impactful podcasts I've listened to lately, and then it kind of led me on a little bit of a deep dive of his work, was Tim Ferriss interviewed Dr. Chris Palmer. Are you familiar with his work? He's doing some stuff on, uh, he just wrote a book on brain energy, but this guy is doing a lot of testing on the medical ketogenic diet and the treatment of psychiatric disorders. Have you heard of this guy? Um, I've heard of him. I'm not super familiar with his work. I'll have to send you the podcast. It is, it's tied, I think, a lot to what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And please do not hear what I'm saying. And and, like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not pretending. (laughs) Those listening, do not listen to what I'm saying and then go on keto and think it's going to solve your mental health or psychiatric issues. However, it is an interesting listen. It's a Tim Ferriss show with Dr. Chris Palmer. It was so riveting. And he gave some examples of some significant, like incredible, almost miraculous changes he saw in his clients for serious psychiatric disorders because of a change in diet and specifically medical uh, keto. Very interesting. I just had to ask you if you'd heard about that because I just think we're going to see more and more data on the results of that. What's been, what has been the biggest thing that you've seen or or a big change or a story that you could share on someone, you know, tweaking their diet, um, and making like a significant impact on that person. Of course, not, not mentioning any names, but can you tell us something like that? That was like a really tremendous outcome or really impactful for that person. Yeah. I immediately thought of one of my clients who is actually probably one of my younger clients. And she came to me with just really severe gut issues, like bloating all the time, couldn't figure out like what foods it was due to. And she felt really self-conscious and kind of just created such a fear around food. Like she wouldn't even want to eat because it would just make her sick. And we got working together and she did a lot of work on her 
mindset around food, or I guess we did a lot of work around her, her mindset with food. And she started really understanding what to eat and how to fuel her body, you know, even down to like eating more protein um, because she was a pretty healthy eater before, but it was mostly, you know, like the foods that are claimed to be healthy. Um, they're marketed as healthy, but maybe full of sugar or maybe, you know, not so good. And so she thought she was doing a lot of good for her body, but we got her on like some more whole foods, a balanced diet, more protein, that kind of thing. And what was really life-changing about her experience was I saw the shift in her life. She changed her friends. She started, started hanging out with different people because she started recognizing that the people that she was around had really unhealthy habits and they were really not happy people. And she started to become more of a happy person because she started to feel better. She started to dream bigger. She actually quit her job uh, because she realized that it was not making her happy. Yeah. Um, And just not a good environment for her to be in. She was a smoker, stopped smoking. Wow. And it's just funny because all of these things came about through her coming in saying, ah, like I have gut problems. Yeah. And then it became like, oh, actually, I think I'm going to change the direction of my life. I am starting to feel better. And so now I want more. I've got chills. <laughs> That's so cool. That has to be insanely fulfilling, mm-hmm. like to have that kind of an impact. Even if someone just sleeps better, like, like that's like you say it, like it's, I'm trying to make it sound minimal, but that's huge. And to have that, that outcome be the way that it is. One thing I love about that story too, is that I found in my own life with my fitness journey is, and health, fitness and health and wellness journey over the last like four years is it can be a domino effect. Like you start with one thing coming in saying, yeah, I got to get some of this figured out. Like I'm bloated. I'm not feeling well, whatever. And how it can really dominate and change everything. Yeah. My stuff started with a walk. I started with a 10 minute walk and then that turns into a 20 minute walk and then two walks a day. And then that turned into, I was craving better food that led to me losing like, I mean, I ended up losing like 50 pounds, uh, but 30 pounds very quickly. And then that led me to going and getting into CrossFit, like more fitness and now like working out weekly, but it's, it's such a blessing, but I think people get overwhelmed and, and for sure look at where they want to be and where they are and see that diff, that gap there as like insurmountable, but you can just start with one thing and you start with getting a dope ass coach. Yeah. <laughs> you can start with just educating yourself more. Like there's so many, so much free content online. Rich, I'm going to ask you just a couple questions. I just, I, I'll be mad if I don't ask, I hope we can do around two, but I know we're short on time, but You've probably seen a decent amount of lab results now. I want to hear the top, what you're consistently seeing as an issue in men and women separately, men first, or I don't care, women first, men first, separate them out that you're constantly seeing over and over again is like out of, like you're seeing it regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I don't work with a lot of men. Okay. I do, I do have some, or I have worked with some. So I've seen a smaller, I guess, sample size. Okay, we just talk about men. women. Um, but for women, and I, I feel like this is generally true for men too. So we can just kind of say across the board. Biggest one, 
blood sugar issues. Okay. Um, even if you're not diabetic, you can be pre-diabetic, um, or you can be experiencing insulin resistance. I know that's pretty kind of trendy in the health world now. Like yeah. people are talking about insulin resistance. So I see that consistently, uh, even with pretty healthy people, actually a lot of the times with pretty healthy people. What are the symptoms that come with that? If that's an issue, if, if, if blood, if like uh, insulin resistance or like blood sugar is, comes up and is a concern, what are some of the symptoms people are likely to see with that? Um, I would say fatigue is okay. a big one, like inconsistent energy, crashes in the afternoon, low blood sugar too. Um, when people experience like episodes of low blood sugar, nervousness, like anxiety can kind of be thrown in there too. Cravings, huge one. Uh, when you're having like a lot of, especially sugar cravings, that can be a sign of like blood sugar issues, basically storing fat around the midsection that can be, you know, if you're, if you're starting to see that pattern of, uh, weight gain that can, um, kind of be an alarm bell for you. So blood sugar is one, what would be the next one that you see, mm -hmm. um, just consistently over and over again that, that you're seeing a lot with your clients, um, show up in the lab results. Well, I can kind of touch on a couple like deficiencies that I see. That's what I was often. wondering. Okay. That's, I, I, thought of two. I <laughs> yeah. thought of two. Okay. I wasn't fishing, but I was curious if yeah. that would come up. I thought of two. So I'm going to see if in my mind. Vitamin right. D. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the next magnesium. One. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's <got> go. <laughs> so man, those are huge. My yeah. sleep, when I finally got on the right type of magnesium, which I didn't know there were different kinds. Oh yeah. Bro. I took like magnesium citrate for forever. Oh no. And I was like, Hopefully why am I not sleeping? Dosage. Yeah, I, I, I was careful on the dosage. <laughs> She's referring to like, it keeps you quite regular bowel movements anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great for that, right? Uh, but I finally got on magnesium gl glycinate. Glycinate. It's Yo, <laughs> you guys, freaking my sleep has been so incredible since I started doing that. So magnesium, vitamin D. Are you typically trying to treat those uh, first like with food and then adding supplements? Um, or does yeah. it just depend? Yeah, I think that's why, you know, I always say food first. We tr really try to get somebody's diet like where it needs to be. Um, however, magnesium specifically uh, is hard to get enough of in, in your diet. Our soil is just kind of depleted uh, for the most part, and we're just not getting a lot of it from the foods that we eat. So a lot of the times people do need to supplement with it. I would say long-term, but maybe not long-term. I know I still take a magnesium supplement because I feel better with it. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I do too. So yeah, with that one, it's, it is hard to get through diet. Uh, vitamin D it, it can be done through diet, but especially like here in Utah, we have longer winters. And so we get a lot of vitamin D from seeing the sun. And if we're not seeing the sun enough, um, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to have the proper, uh, vitamin D levels just through nutrition. This is something that you may not agree with and that's okay. Okay. But I'm going to tell you, um, one of my favorite things about my doctor and something that was surprising to me. And I want to remind everyone, I'm not a doctor. Okay. So just go get a professional on right. this. One thing I was surprised with some of his treatments for me was 
the amount of vitamin D he put me on. For me specifically, I, I needed to survive the winter sads for sure. Yeah. And that helped tremendously. Yeah. But I was on like, I'll tell you right now, I wasn't taking what the bottle said. This is why it was a lot more. Um, and I had such a better winter. It was, yeah. it was amazing. Now, listen, everyone, if you're just diving into this, take what the bottle says and then go get a professional to help you. Yeah, you can Got get it. prescription vitamin D. Yeah, so, but that was surprising to me. Kind of the same thing with vitamin C. Like I went through a period of like, Rachel, I don't, I, I was worried in like February. I was exhausted for three weeks. Extremely unusual for me. Like I was, and I got scared. I was like, what is happening? Like, is this going to be this way forever? My best guess was some type of adrenal fatigue due to like an extremely, extremely stressful set of situations where my, um, what would that be? My nervous system was already a little taxed and then it just pushed it. That's my best guess. But for one of the protocols there, we bumped all those things and significant on the vitamin C Mm. and I like within a few days I was better, but for three weeks it was bad, like super unusual. I couldn't get out of bed and I was miserable. And to think that some people might feel that way for longer than three weeks makes my heart break in half. Like I was scared. Yeah. And I was like this, like I'm, I'm older than you, but I am not that old right? (laughs) to be having these symptoms. But so watch your vitamin D, watch your levels. I, that those, those three things have been like significantly an impact for me in the, in the positive. So, um, one thing that I have to ask you real quick that you said that you kind of address or that people should address would be nervous system. And I want to bring that up because of my story just barely, but what are some things that, that you mean by that, by paying attention? Cause we didn't really get into that. You kind of mentioned right. it as we were talking about like, check this, check this, check this kind of in, in steps. But what do you mean by that on nervous system and how people can watch it or take care of it or. Yeah. You know, we talk about the nervous system. People are probably really familiar with like their fight or flight response, uh, living in a state of stress. Uh, and in our really fast paced world now, there's so many things that our body perceives as stress and as threats. Something simple as being stuck in traffic can be extremely stressful for your body. You're not actually, you know, being threatened by anything. You're frustrated that you haven't gotten home yet, but your body is like, okay, uh, we are in danger. Um, and so a lot of the times people are living in that fight or flight. And if we are not aware of it, that's what can cause that adrenal fatigue and affect our sleep, our mental health, all of those different things. And it's funny that you ask about this because this was actually a huge part of my journey too. Um, once I got, you know, my hormones back into balance and my cycle was regular, I was still having really, really painful cramping for my period. And if I had done testing, you know, it probably would have been some inflammation and things like that. But Um, I think a huge part of it was the stress I was under in a past relationship and I just was constantly stressed and I didn't even realize it until coming out of that relationship and working on my nervous system and becoming more mindful, um, meditating more, doing more yoga, those kind of things and recognizing, oh, my body is stressed versus, okay, I am at a calm state. I feel at peace those kind of things. And so I think it's 
your nervous system is very fragile right now because we can perceive so many things in our environment as a threat. Like a, like I said, traffic or an email from your boss or something like that. So meditation would be, it sounds like top of the list that comes up a lot in a lot of research I do. And I've, I've had, um, tremendous results from meditation, like significant for anxiety too. And so many things. One thing I like about what you said that I don't know if people will pick up on or, or really understand the depth of, they probably will. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But the mindfulness, the reason meditation comes up, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's so you can recognize those states of calm and stress because if you're always in it, you do not recognize it. Absolutely. And that's what I think happened. I think for me, I think I was extremely stressed for probably years, uh, owning two businesses. I had young kids, still have young kids, relationships, all that. And I think for how my brain is wired, uh, I was a little bit addicted to the cortisol. I have a dopamine issue, so that helps produce a little bit of dopamine adrenaline if I'm stressed. Yeah. And what the meditation will do is help you recognize that and also help you realize that it can be a passing thing, that it can be something that's here temporarily and that can leave if you can, you know, chill out. But just recognizing it is huge, I think. Would you agree? Like, I agree. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't realize that I was under stress constantly until I was out of it. Yeah. And then I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then I started to realize when I would get kind of triggered and I was like, whoa, okay. So now I know when I am going through those periods of stress. And like you said, yeah, meditation is really just there for you to learn how to recognize that because now we're just constantly multitasking, doing a lot of things, thinking about a lot of things outside of ourselves. And we hardly cut out the time to be fully present with our bodies. Um, and it's, it's funny hearing myself talk about this because years ago I would have laughed about meditation. And I think a lot of people still do. Still do. (laughs) Or they try, like, I'm going to be real with the audience here. If you have tried it two times and say you just can't do it, like, I guess I won't swear on this one, but that's bull crap. And remember that it's a practice. Like, oh, I just can't do it. I just can't sit still. It's not to like, a lot of people I still think have the misconception that it's to have your mind be completely blank. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's to just practice your breath. And like I tell you, that probably, that has probably been in the top three things that has been the biggest impact on my life in the last five years. Like before I knew I was late diagnosed ADHD. Before I knew that was what was going on was I would use meditation and my focus would be much better for probably three days after one session. Wow. Like noticeably different. And my anxiety would lower, but like really, really, really game changing. So, and there's a lot of ways to ease into it. Um, I'm going to quickly just tell the audience because I think it's valuable. And then I'd love to hear what you would suggest, but I started with a free app. Headspace is my jam. Yeah. I did, I did the free 10 sessions on Headspace for probably three years. Then COVID hit and I was like, I got to up this bitch. I got, so I paid, I like, I got to, I got, I need more help. Right. So then I paid the subscription and I've been paying the subscription and it has like sleep stories that lull me to sleep basically every night. 
Yeah. I helped change my sleep too. What would you suggest if people want to get into meditation, like to ease them into it? Yeah. I think meditation is really hard. Um, I still feel like I struggle with it sometimes. Oh, for sure. Um, what helped me and what I can advise, I guess it maybe start with journaling or breath work. I think those are a little bit more like beginner friendly, if you if you will, because yeah, I think a lot of times people get caught up in that meditation is you have to have a clear mind. You're not thinking about anything, which is really hard to do. But with breath work, I think it gives you a little bit of something to focus on, not like thoughts or feelings or anything necessarily, but your breath. So guided breath work was kind of how I really tiptoed into it. Uh, and then journaling too. Um, if you've got like swirling thoughts or things like that, or journaling before meditation can be really helpful. Get your thoughts down on paper, kind of flush out what you need to flush out and then take that time to return to yourself Huge. during some meditation. Huge. I'm going to try that. I haven't tried that before, but that I can see, I think they're both, I've, I've loved them both separately, but I've never combined those two. I think that'd be incredible. I man, I could spend all day on meditation. I want to ask you, so we're talking nervous system. I have to know just because I'm really focused on this right now because I do think, I will schedule an appointment with you, but yeah. <laughs> I do think it's very interesting. I think I have a lower tolerance for stress now and it's really, it's actually really pissing me off Yeah, because I could handle so much more before I thought. I don't want to go back to what I was doing, but now it seems to me like even the, a little bit of stress will really like have an effect on me. So I'm attacking it from a whole bunch of different angles, but so we're discussing nervous system, how to take care of it. I would assume exercise is up there, right? Yeah. To help with your like cortisol and mitigate stress or relieve stress. So meditation is exercise one that you recommend? Uh, strategic exercise. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, because I think there is a population out there that is actually over exercising. Um, and a lot of people who are exercising with late at night that increases your cortisol, um, which is not helpful for your sleep cycles. Right. Um, so then you're not getting quality sleep and then it's affecting your nervous system and everything like that. So yeah, strategic exercise definitely helps, especially because, you know, when you are feeling good, you have energy. And if you're not really like burning that off, you probably aren't going to get as deep sleep as quality sleep as you need to and sleep really impacts the nervous system too. Huge. Sleep would probably, do you think, okay, so would those be your top three things? Meditation, exercise, and sleep, or what would be your top three things to work system? on? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think those would probably be my top. And, and then also just being aware of stimulants caffeine. <laughs> we oh, all yeah. love it. Yep. We all drink it. Just being really aware and again, strategic with how you're using it too. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think in adaptogens, you could, you could look into that too. Oh, <laughs> that's one of the thing I did is so like, I, when I called my doctor and I was freaking out, he was like, go pick up some adaptogenic, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I just went and found something that said adrenal. And same thing with the vitamin D and vitamin C. He's like, take probably triple because we're not in maintenance. We're in like, get it back together and like fix. And then you can go back down to maintenance. So I'm going to pick your brain on, on some more of that at some other point, but you guys get your sleep. Like, 
Like, please, that one is huge. That one is so huge and affects so many different things. Um, I have been suffering with my sleep this week. First time in a long time. And my cognition is dramatically hindered because of that. And it's, that's also annoying as hell. But that's the number one thing that I'm working on is like, okay, chill out on the stimulants in the afternoon because I know how they can affect me and really focus on getting my sleep and my magnesium every night. Well, Rachel, this has been honestly such a joy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. One thing I want to mention before we close out and we'll give like all your social handles and everything like that is you just recently opened your own clinic or practice. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Coaching business is actually business. virtual. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Great. So they can reach out to you on Instagram, which we'll talk about in just a second. And you've been doing that on your own now for a few months, right? Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's very exciting. It's been really fun. If people want to connect with you, I said it at the beginning, but um, let's make sure we hit it now. But if people want to connect with you online, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, probably through my Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active. Rachel Claire with an E dot HHC. Um, then I also have a website that has more information about me and what I do and things like that. And it's rachelclairehhc.com. Yeah, good. And they can, can people book through your website too? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Rachel's also on threads. Oh yeah. We were speaking before <laughs> rolling and I was like, we got to talk about threads for like a, a minute because this is the first guest I've had on since threads. Your posts are really dope on there too. Like I like your approach so far. Um, so check her out on threads as well. And uh, Rachel, I hope that we can do a round two. And if you could leave the audience with anything, a thought or anything, what would you like to leave the audience with? Just the reminder that some is better than none. I think we get caught up in a lot of these health topics, myself included. And it's easy to just get overwhelmed with all the things that you need to do and stuff you need to take. But Take it one day, one choice at a time and just know that some is better than none. Love it. All right, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the Make It In podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.